What a high Sabbath. What a great way to um, recognize our teachers at the start of a new school year. And the commissioning portion of the service was scheduled to take place back in January. And then the snow came, and we all decided it would be a better idea to worship in our own homes that Sabbath. And so we have, have rescheduled uh, the commissioning portion of the service today and want to particularly recognize uh, some of the educators and their not only years of experience, but their commitment to the ministry of teaching and education. And so we're glad for the opportunity to uh, be here today and to recognize um, all of our educators in general, but but specifically some of those who have gone through the, um, the process for the commissioning service today. And I, I see some of you are here particularly for, for this part of the service, and we welcome you and are, are glad for that. It is, if you have not been watching any news, it is another year for political campaign for President of the United States. And without commenting on this year's campaign, I want to go back to a campaign that took place back in the late 1950s. Richard Nixon, vice president at that time, was running for president. And John F. Kennedy, the junior senator from Massachusetts, was also running. And Dwight Eisenhower, the president, counseled Richard Nixon not to accept the invitation of John Kennedy to have a televised debate. But Richard Nixon had confidence in his debating skills. He was already an experienced politician. And so despite the wise counsel that President Eisenhower provided, Time Magazine says um, Eisenhower and others warned Nixon not to accept Kennedy's challenge. But he had confidence in his skills, so he did. He says he also ignored advice to rest up for the debate and went on campaigning strenuously until the last minute. So what a record 80 million Americans saw on their TV screens was a devastating contrast. Kennedy looked fresh, tanned, vibrant. Nixon looked unshaven, baggy-eyed, surly. The era of the politics of TV imagery had begun and the debates were a major victory for Kennedy. And in the election, it's now history of course, President Kennedy won with 50.4% of the vote to Richard Nixon's 49.6, a hairbreadth's advantage. And most analysts look back at that election and say that if it hadn't been for that televised debate, Richard Nixon would have won. Now, we, we live in a media-saturated society, and it's hard to think back to, to that time when it was a novel, novel idea to have a televised debate. But it's important to be teachable at every stage of our life and to be willing to be lifelong learners, to take counsel from those with, with experience. And as we look at the Ministry of Education today, we're going to focus specifically on, on, on the professional aspect of education, but many of the principles apply to, to parents. You are the first educators for, for your children. And in a broader scale, scale as well, each one of us in the church has an influence on our children. 
And so the principles that are here apply to, to each one of us. If we look at our scripture reading for, for the day, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, I, I would invite you to turn there. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 4, 18, this is early in, in Jesus' ministry. He's just preparing to launch his ministry. He's been baptized. He was out in the wilderness for 40 days. And it says, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And as we talk about the ministry of education and what Jesus has called educators to, it's easy to, to draw back and say, that is an unrealistic set of expectations. That is, that is too much to ask. And from a human perspective, I, I would have to agree. But what we find here in the invitation of Jesus to follow him, that he will bring about the accomplishment of what he has called educators to, there's a source of great hope and confidence. He says, follow me. Each of us will choose who or what we will follow. We will all determine what, what are the influences that we allow to be primary in the decisions that we make in life. Some, some people choose to make themselves the primary source of, of authority in their lives. And whatever they think is what they're going to do. Others will look to, to other professionals or other influencers in their life. And again, it's good to be teachable. It's good to take counsel. But Jesus ultimately says, of all of the choices that you have to make, you're going to follow someone or something. Choose to follow me. Choose to accept the, the values that I will give you, the direction, the guidance that I can provide in your life. And he says, I will make you fishers of men. And I, I can speak with a position of authority. This is early in his ministry. His disciples had yet to see all of the miracles that he would perform, how he would stand up on the Sea of Galilee where they had spent so many nights fishing, and he would simply say, peace, be still. And the elements would follow his command. They had yet to see him stand before Lazarus's tomb and call him to come forth and recognize that Jesus had power over death in the grave. But, but with incredible power, Jesus says, I will make you fishers of men. I will bring this about in your life. And just as he was able to empower humble fishermen to serve as apostles that would turn the world upside down for the kingdom of God, that same Jesus is able to empower each of you as educators to be able to communicate with your students and, and, and through them be able to turn, turn the world upside down in the name of Jesus Christ. He says that he would make them fishers of men. And of course, they were already fishers of men. Some of you may say, I don't like fish. I don't really want to, to fish. That doesn't work for me. But, but I, I think the lesson to be learned is that whatever talents and abilities and experience God has blessed you with, Jesus is willing to take that and to, to transform it and refocus it so that those gifts and passions are used for the enlargement of his kingdom. And so whether, whether it's carpentry or medicine or engineering or, 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 or any area of, of giftedness that you have, Jesus will take that when you submit it to him 
and use it as a tool to be able to influence others for his kingdom. At verse 20 it says, they immediately left their nets and followed him. They, they responded to the call of Jesus and said, we are going to do this. We are willing to commit to him. There was so much that they didn't know, but what they did know about Jesus caused them to say, we will follow you. And as each one of us receives that invitation, we don't know just exactly where Jesus is going to lead. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we can have confidence in the one who gives us the invitation that we are safe when we follow him, that he will see us through whatever the challenges are that will come our way. Verse 23, this is what we want to, to spend more time focusing on today. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases among the people. Jesus went about teaching. Jesus is the master teacher. And we look at the, the next chapters, chapters 5 through 7, we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest messages in the scriptures. And it says in, in chapter 5, verse 2, he opened his mouth, and it doesn't say he preached at them. It says he taught them. Jesus was a teacher, and he provides a, a model for all teachers of of how to go about the ministry of education that he's called us to. And we're here for uh, the granting of a commissioned ministry of teaching credential. And we recognize teachers who have committed and dedicated their lives to the ministry of education. And I make the comparison, it's not exact, but it, it helps to, to clarify it. In, the, in a similar way to pastors who have committed their lives to the gospel ministry, they are set aside by, by ordination or, or commissioning. In a similar way in education, we set aside teachers affirming the call that God has given to them and their positive response to that call to commit their lives to, to, to the ministry of Adventist education. And it's, it, it, it has a, a definitive spiritual component. It's certainly an occupation, and each one of them is thankful that they get a paycheck for doing what they do. But it is far more than employment. It is a calling by God to transform the lives of young people for his kingdom. And we appreciate the, the teachers that have responded to that call. In the book Education, page 80, it says, in every human being, Jesus discerned infinite possibilities. And it's hard when, when you have a second grader, fourth grader, eighth grader, um, it's hard to know what that potential is going to look like. Um, many of you, I'm sure, have, have watched some of the stories unfold at the Olympics the past two weeks. And... Michael Phelps getting to the point where he is the most decorated Olympian of all time with 23 gold medals. And yet, as a student here in Baltimore, he had ADHD and he had teachers that questioned 
whether he was going to amount to anything, whether he would accomplish anything, whether he would make it through school, much less accomplish anything in life and become a multimillionaire, an internationally known uh, sports celebrity and the most decorated Olympian of all time. Who would have thought when, when he was displaying his symptoms of ADHD in a classroom, how would his teachers have ever envisioned that Michael Phelps would accomplish what he has? And I guess there are, teach, there are students today in each classroom that have symptoms of ADHD. And as teachers, you may wonder, <laughs> what can the Lord do? What can you do? What, what, what does the future hold? But there is that potential in each one. And so, day by day, the education, the training takes place. And, and the formation of, of character goes on. And opportunities are given for growth and development. In Adventist education, we, we aim high in what we are trying to accomplish whether it's English class and, and, and helping students to not only master the English language, but, but understand the, the best of literature that there is. And science pointing students to uh, a master creator and designer who could create this world in all its complexity. And math and technology, discovering the, the system and order that exists there and how to, to harness that in order to, to serve humanity. In history, showing the work of God through the rise and fall of nations and, and the progression of Earth's history to the climax that it's coming to. In the area of the, the social sciences, understanding cultures and peoples from, from different parts of the world and, and how to interact with them effectively. And of course, in Bible class, studying the Word of God and, and understanding the love of God and the plan of salvation. I'm thankful, personally, I, I was blessed to be born into a Seventh-day Adventist home and, and have that influence and family worship and, and uh, mother and father that were teaching me. I attended Sabbath school and church all of my life. But I'll have to say that for the good influence of my parents and, and pastors and chaplains through the years, it was a teacher in a classroom that gave me the best, most comprehensive understanding of the love of God and the plan of salvation and how he brings salvation to us. And that understanding has been transformative in my life, in my ministry, and although we could measure in months the amount of time that that teacher had an opportunity to make an influence in my life, it is a lifelong influence that is there. I, I continue to look back on that, to draw from that understanding, both personally in my own walk with the Lord, but, but also professionally in, in sharing with others. Teachers make a huge impact, and, and I'm forever grateful, and so many others are as well, for those who have committed their lives to the ministry of education and are willing to, to serve our young people. It's not just the, um, the academics I've referred to, but we teach athletics as well, the value of teamwork, the importance of good sportsmanship, the arts, the appreciation of beauty, the, the great and uplifting music that can minister to people's hearts 
and bring encouragement and healing. But perhaps one of the best things about education is, is not any of the curriculum, and you can tell I'm not an educator when I would say such a heretical thing. Um, but I think one of the best things about education is the life lessons that are learned. I, I look back at some of the teachers that I've had, and some of them I really had a hard time appreciating when I was in their class. They, and I, quite frankly, I didn't appreciate them. Um, the, the, the things that they required um, seemed so unreasonable, so difficult to define. And yet, I look back, not so much at the content, although the content was good, but I look at the life lessons that, that were learned through that experience of, of growth and, and learning and, and trying to, to wrestle with material and trying to express it with clarity. And, and I see where some of those most challenging learning experiences have been the most beneficial to me in life. And so... It's important that our, our young people learn the, the, the value of meeting challenges, how to recover from failure, and, and how to move forward and, and regroup, how to apply creativity to problem solving in order to, to work through difficulties, how to resolve conflicts that, that come up um, as we get along with, with others or we work with others. And it seems like education has shifted since, since I was a, a young student um, seems like there are a lot more, um, there's a lot more emphasis on, on group dynamics and, and projects. And doing some reading this year, one, one educator was explaining that part of that is that, that a generation or two ago, young people learned a lot of those kinds of life skills in their backyards. They would play with the, the neighbor kids and, and they would have to, to do conflict resolution when they were playing softball together or building a tree house. But with technology taking up so much time for students, they don't get the same opportunities to learn those skills informally in the neighborhood. And so our classrooms are, are, are the, the place where those skills are being taught. And you know, we don't get a grade, our students don't get a grade for that, but it's important that those life skills be learned. And our teachers, have been asked to broaden the application of what they're doing in order to provide more of a whole life experience for our, our young people. It says that Jesus taught in the synagogues and preached the gospel of the kingdom. Now, many of you as teachers may not feel like preachers, and you may have deliberately chosen not to become a preacher. But the news is, you are a preacher. You cannot teach without preaching. Um, it's a package deal that, that comes your way. And the, the message that Jesus had was the gospel of the kingdom. And that's the message that each teacher in Adventist education is commissioned with. It's the purpose for having our schools. We invest heavily in Adventist education. And I, I want to commend you as a congregation for the investment that you have made in Adventist education. Um, every week in the bulletin, you see that ongoing financial commitment that it is taking to have what is there in the form of Spencerville Adventist Academy. But recognize it is, it is not simply an expense. It's, a, it's an investment, a valuable investment in the next generation, and not just 
in, in their immediate lives and their preparations for, for a career as important as that is. But it's an investment in eternity. It, it is, we, we are blessed in this area with many, many good educational options. We, we truly are. But only Adventist education is committed to the mission of, of preparing people for now and for eternity. And, and that's why we continue to invest in it. And so our teachers, day by day, they're preaching. And that's the value added that comes from Adventist education. And so teachers, whether they are sharing uh, a devotional in the classroom, whether they're praying, whether they're personally counseling students and, and offering encouragement to them, you are, are teaching, you're preaching. And, you know, I, I think in the Chesapeake Conference context, we have two teachers for every one pastor in the, in the, the churches and schools of the Chesapeake Conference. So we have twice as many teachers. And then you look at how the time is spent. A pastor may be able to have three to four contact hours with a young person in the course of a week. Sabbath school and church, maybe some other event during the week. Perhaps three to four hours. Teachers have ten times the opportunity and contact hours to make a difference in the lives of our young people. Thirty to forty hours a week, most weeks. Um, sometimes more. Retreat weekend coming up uh, next weekend will be, be some concentrated time. But teachers, you have an opportunity to day by day, not, not preaching sermons, but, but, but sharing the gospel of the kingdom of God with our young people. And part of that comes in the, the modeling that is provided, and I would apply this to, to teachers, but also to parents and, and others in the church. We are all modeling the kingdom of God for our children. And they are, they are forming ideas about what God is like from the examples that we give to them. In that sense, we are all preaching. Every time we come here to church, there may only be one person standing here, but all of you are preaching something to the young people around us. And they are watching, and they are learning, and they are absorbing, and it is registering with them. A few years ago, there was a ship, the Columbus Iceland, that was doing some environmental research down in the Florida Keys, off the coast of Florida. And they were, they were exploring around the coral reefs that were there to understand the, the chemistry of the water and the, the tides and the, the currents that were, that were there so that they could better understand how to deal with oil spills that would take place in the Gulf and, and how to manage those. Unfortunately, the Columbus Iceland got too close to the coral reef that they were wanting to protect, and that coral reef tore a, a, a hole in the, the hull of the boat, and the boat designed to protect the coral reefs now was, was spilling out diesel fuel, and because it was stuck on a coral, they had to bring in another boat that stirred up the sand that can, can damage the coral reef as well. And sometimes... That can happen with our influence in the lives of young people as well. We set out to accomplish one thing, but when there's hypocrisy and inconsistencies 
in the things that we do, it creates confusion and it sabotages the very mission that we set out to accomplish. And so we need to be aware, we, we need to be conscious that, that there are messages always being given and make sure that it's consistent with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Daniel Webster, who served as a senator and twice the Secretary of State in the mid-1800s, wrote these words, if we work on marble, it will perish. If we work on brass, time will efface it. If we rear temples, they will crumble to dust. But if we work on men's immortal minds, if we imbue them with high principles, with just fear of God and love of their fellow men, we engrave on those tablets something which time cannot efface and which will brighten and brighten to all eternity. And that is the purpose of Adventist education, to, 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 to bring to the minds of our young people those things that will last forever and ever. Far more than a preparation to earn an income in this life, as important as that is, is the eternal value of a life saved in the kingdom of God. And it says with Jesus, he taught in the synagogues, preached the gospel of the kingdom, and healed all kinds of sickness and all kinds of diseases. Now, teachers, I'm not going to place on you any burden to, um, to go and, and be conducting healings here um, in the physical sense that, that this describes. But certainly in the spiritual and emotional realm, teachers are a source of healing for their students. They're, a, they're able to, to, to bring encouragement and strength when children don't know if they have what it takes to accomplish the, the assignments they've been given. And day by day, that, that, that formation of character, that, that encouragement, that strengthening, that, that enlarging of capacity and ability takes place. And teachers are able to, to accomplish healing. I think back to, to my elementary school experience in, in Lansing, Michigan. And Shirley Hodder in first and second grade, we had two, two grade rooms. Third and fourth grade, Mary Jane Mosier, John Studley in fifth and sixth, and Nels Thompson in seventh and eighth. Huge impact in, in, in creating a foundation in my life that, that, that I continue to, to build on. And each of you in your grades is creating that foundation for a generation of young people that we pray will last into eternity, bringing encouragement and healing to them. As a congregation, the role that, that all of us have is so important. Um, we could not do this unless we were collectively engaged in doing this. And, and the overflow, um, I, I think, I hope, in fact, you're aware of it, but, but what you as a congregation do here at Spencerville has a spillover impact that is a blessing to many, many others. Other churches, other families may not be members here, but, but the sphere of influence is broad. And that investment continues to, to impact many, many people. Education page 83 tells us, in the presence of such a teacher, referring to Jesus, of such opportunity for divine education, what worse than folly is it to seek an education apart from him, to seek to be wise apart from wisdom, to be true while rejecting truth, 
to seek illumination apart from the light, an existence without the life, to turn from the fountain of living waters and hew out broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jesus forms the the central focus of the ministry that we're called to. And as a congregation, I encourage you, uplift the teachers in prayer. Encourage them and and strengthen them. Recognize that the financial commitment is, is an investment that I am perfectly confident will pay off. That day by day, there is a a vital ministry that is taking place. Cognitive Genesis has provided a a wealth of information for us when we we look at what is happening in Adventist education. A study done over four years um, with 50,000 students gives lots and lots of data and they utilize nationally normed evaluation instruments. And the the bottom line of, of what it demonstrates is that The students in Adventist schools score higher academically in all subject areas than the national average. And that the longer students attend an Adventist school, the higher they can achieve academically. Um, We're blessed to have what we have. Um, God has blessed us. You as a congregation have embraced the value and the teachers have accepted the call to, to be serving and to give their selves, their lives, in the ministry of education. So we want to affirm their role as teachers, as preachers, as healers. And I'd like to invite those who are, who are being commissioned, if you would come forward as, as well as uh, Jacqueline Messenger, our superintendent of schools, and, and Mark Walker, our associate, and, and I think some of you know Jerry Lutz as well, our conference secretary, as we conduct the commissioning portion of the service. you to take out your commissioning booklet and join us. God gave uh, teachers to the church. For the scriptures say he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastor teachers. He did this to strengthen the saints for their work of ministry, to help them instruct and uplift those who are members of the Church of Christ. Congregation? As members of the Church, we affirm our belief that Christian educators are a sacred ministry. Do you, teachers, believe the Spirit of God called you to the responsibilities for which we are about to commission you? Will you accept this call to build up the Church? Will you do all you can to invite those you teach to have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and into the service for him in this world. Yes, we believe God called us to the ministry of teaching and his 
support Christian education through our daily acts of ministry to children and their families. In this service of commissioning, we rededicate our lives to serve children and youth by helping them to form the image of God in their lives. We also rededicate ourselves to inviting them to prepare for a life of ministry according to his call to them. In accepting this call to the teaching ministry, we also pledge to encourage our colleagues in ministry. Congregation, will you join me? We pledge to support you in carrying out your call to teaching ministry. We will do all we can to strengthen our families and support your ministries. The heart of the commissioning service is actually the, the prayer. And I would invite you to remain standing and, and the congregation seated, but let's bow our heads for the prayer of commissioning. Dear Lord, we are grateful that you call each one of us to follow you that you invite us to become fishers of men. And I thank you for each one of the educators that are here, for your leading and guiding in their lives, for giving them the spiritual gift of teaching, for their responsiveness to that invitation and, and gift, and their willingness to use that to commit their lives to impacting young people for you. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be poured out upon them in a very definite way that day by day they would have the kind of impact on young people that you have called them to. Lord, I pray that their personal walk with you would be vibrant each day, that each day they would recommit themselves to you, that through the subjects that they teach, through the, the words that they say, through their actions, that they would impact young people for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that there would be a fruitfulness in their ministry, that they would be able to effectively teach the curriculum that they have, but even more that they would present in a winsome way your love, your grace, and the invitation that you give to each person to follow you. Lord, we're grateful for them. As a congregation, we want to come together and affirm their gifts, affirm their ministry, and continue to encourage them in the, the ministry of education. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. It's my privilege to now administer the charge to the teachers and administrators that are standing before you. And so teachers, administrators, fellow laborers in the Lord's field, there's no higher calling in life than the call of God to point others to Jesus and to salvation. In this world, there's desperate need for men and women like you who stand for truth, righteousness, and the principles of the kingdom of God. You have been called to the teaching ministry in which you have the privilege and sacred responsibility of training young minds and helping to shape and form the characters of boys and girls, young men, and young women. You truly are educating them not just for this life, but for eternity. As teachers, you carry in your hearts a particular joy in the Lord's work. While yours is not an easy task, and while the days and nights might often seem long, 
and the work arduous. It is a noble thing you do, a holy work deserving of the gratitude and appreciation of student, parent, and community alike. And so now, dear servants of Christ, you, with open hearts and sincere willingness, I charge you to accept the service with which you have been entrusted. Do not neglect the gift that has been given you by God. Present yourselves to him daily as approved workers, ever faithful to the Spirit of God. Remember always that Jesus has called you as friends as well as servants. Be faithful to your calling. Attend to the Word of God as your source of strength and wisdom. Pray often, for without God you can do nothing. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Amen. The Apostle Paul told the Colossians that he rejoiced in the opportunity to become a servant of the Church of Christ. He became a servant leader by the commission that he received from God. Today, your church has commissioned you as ministers of teaching through the laying on of hands. What is your response to this call from God? We dedicate ourselves to proclaim the gospel, recognizing this as primary to fulfilling the divine commission. We dedicate ourselves to the life of an educator, to laying living foundations upon which generations who follow must continue to build their lives. We dedicate ourselves to advanced learning, for we know that without it, our successors will lack both the vision and the power to build well. We dedicate ourselves to cultivate character, for we know humanity cannot flourish without courage, compassion, honesty, and trust. to be their Savior and friend. In the presence of those gathered here, we bind ourselves to this pledge this 20th day of August, 2016. Before we welcome you to the commissioned aspect of ministry, I want to give you a little quiz. Can you arrange yourselves in alphabetical order by Last name. <laughs> we were supposed to have another candidate with us, but it, she's been called away for family in Florida, I believe. So Rachel's not with us. Ms. Carrie Hess. 
Nathan Hess. And last but not least, darling. I think it only appropriate that we take a moment to recognize our teachers who have been commissioned. Let us continue our worship by singing together hymn number 218, When He Comes.